Good morning, everybody. It is February 12th, 2024, and you are listening to episode six of a new era podcast. Uh, my name is Freddy. I'm here with OG Frid on this fine Super Bowl hangover Monday. I was going to uh, say, you, you sound a little tired. You know, and it's not even, it's not even that, man. I was just, I don't think I've ever been more unhappy after seeing the end of a Super Bowl than I was last night. Like, well, no, that's a lie because we had like 07 and like 11 that sucked. But like for one that like my team's not in it. Yeah. That, that's a game stunk, man. And like, but hold on, we'll get into it. Well, I, I don't want to do this yet. Um, we'll be talking about the Super Bowl, our first reactions and initial reactions and stuff like that. Today, uh, we've got a back-to-back champion again for the first time since the Patriots, so so long to that record. Uh, we'll, we'll jump into some of the Pats hirings. Dad's got a cool segment about some QBs and some potential, uh, potential targets later on down the road for the Patriots, depending on what they do during this offseason. We will touch on the new Red Sox series that are coming to Netflix, hopefully in 2025, about the 2004 and 2024 teams, and then we'll close this one out. So, Dad, before we get started, would you like to say anything to the audience here? Uh, I just want to say good morning, audience. Good morning, Hanson. Guys, episode six, we have crossed over almost at 100. 15 downloads um continued thank you everyone for your continued support listening to our old man young guy takes and boy do i have a lot to throw in at hansen about this past super bowl and all the commercials and all the little video things about a new dynasty and and i know a lot of the reason why we brought this up when we want to talk and co- and we started by calling it the new era uh, due to the Belichick leaving the Patriots and you know that whole Patriots dynasty is Hanson's childhood yeah so I think this next segment will be listening to Hanson just be all sad uh well so you uh, how much of the game did you watch i actually watched the whole thing well i shouldn't say i watched the whole thing because i was upstairs and just kept on flipping between an incredible ending of the wm golf tournament which mm-hmm. what many of them call it what the fifth major I mean, yeah. unreal ending. Fantastic ending. I felt bad for another old guy. I thought Hoffman. But he he played the last couple holes tentative. He played it not to lose the tournament when he had, I think, at one point, three holes or uh, a three-stroke lead. And coming down to the end, he played very tentative not to lose i mean as a 47 year old if he would have won he would have had exemption for the next two years leading him into the senior tour um and he hadn't won in over seven thousand days it was like eight years or longer since his last one that's a lot of days a lot of days and Nick Taylor, the Canadian, won uh, by birding five out of the last six holes, including a two-round playoff. It was, it was that guy was just on fire; just could not miss anything from nine feet in. It was, yeah, it was great. Scotty Scheffler, um, I think, just broke down. I mean, it was, it was. A long, long day for a bunch of those guys. The Gala, who was leading, um, those guys had a. I saw in the morning. I, I flipped on in the 
that was like 11 a.m. noon, and they're on the golf course playing. So they're finishing round three, and a bunch of those guys had to play eight, nine holes and then turn around and finish it up. And Scotty couldn't go for his three-peat, um, missed a couple easy putts at the end, but you just saw, like, emotion and just wear and just tired. He was just tired at the end. A lot of the guys were. So I'll bring it back. On the most important sports day in the United States, Yeah, you didn't watch the conclusion of no. the overtime Super Bowl repeat because you were watching the waste management open. No, no, do you, no. Do you get I you know I I'm here? I'm I'm I hear what you're saying. I missed the first I was flipping in between when there was a commercial I flipped back up and watched. Um so I missed I missed the first uh 49ers field goal and into the part of the second uh, second quarter. Okay, I thought you were talking about like later in the game. I was like, oh no, 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 switch away. Yeah, you could have, you could have missed the first quarter, and that was fine. Yeah, but uh, starts off with that field goal, and then the Christian McCaffrey touchdown to go up 10-0. Chiefs had a chance there at the end of the first, uh, end of the first half, try to get a touchdown. Ended up having to get the field goal. You're feeling good. As a Niners guy rooting for yesterday, I was feeling good. I was like, Niners look good. They were attacking the run in the first. Defense was locking down. Then you get in the third quarter, man. And I don't know. I don't know if the conversation needs to be brought up about the fact that, like, maybe in these big games, like, Kyle Shanahan can't make the halftime adjustments that need to be made. I mean, this is the third Super Bowl blown lead now that he's been a part of, yeah. and a memorable one at that. Um, I mean, third quarter, they just defensively, they kind of look lost. You know, that MVS touchdown, I mean, he was, that was, I mean, it's a great play by Kansas City. It was, it was drawn up really well. Then you go out of the third, it's 13 10 with the Chiefs, and the Jawan Jennings, um, the little trickery play. That was cool to see. And then, uh, you know, Jawan Jennings, I thought he caught one too. Yeah. I, you know, it was really interesting to see Jawan Jennings. So you, you had the stars yeah, already. And, never mind. I'm seeing it here. And Christian McCaffrey did the double 75 rushing and receiving. And Debo did some Debo stuff. But it was really interesting, and on Kansas City side, I mean, Pacheco ran as hard as he usually does, didn't have tons of yards, but ran very hard, caught a bunch of balls. And yes, Kelsey ended up nine receptions for 93 yards when it looked like he wasn't going to do much. Um, But yet the adjustments that we mentioned that San Francisco didn't do, obviously Kansas City did. Uh, during halftime, but it was kind of cool to see Juwan Jennings, um, Watson, um, actually perform very well. Um, I don't think they were, you know, thought of offensively to do much going into this game. And both of those guys, I think held it together until on the Kansas city side, your stars finally showed up. Yeah. Until Kelsey turned it on. Cause I mean, I think. Like, at some point in the third quarter, he had one target. They were showing the stat right on the screen. One target, one reception, one yard. You get yeah. a third. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's there's so much stuff to talk about. I mean, you talk about Kelsey. I'm sure you saw the, the fucking Andy Reid thing where he's pissed off in the fumble yeah. that he wasn't on the field, which yeah. I don't understand. First off, going out there, like, I know it's a big game. I know you're... You're wired in. You want to win this game, but you go over there. You fucking get in the face in the coach's face. You guys aren't even like a, a. You're nowhere close to the end of the game. And the funniest thing is too, he's bitching about not being in there to block when he's not a good blocking tight end. Noah Gray should have been in that play. It's fine that you know the the fumble happens. The 49ers literally had a fumble a little before then too, but in no situation am I being like, yeah, I'd rather have Travis Kelsey out there blocking for me. 
because that would have stopped the fumble. Or I'd rather have Travis Kelsey blocking out there for me because he would have jumped on the ball. You don't know that. Yeah. I know he's just caught up in the moment and all, and he wants to show off for Taylor up there in the little booth and all. But that was that was ridiculous. Um, it, I mean, it just goes on to just make this team more unlikable, man. I don't, I don't know. But then, so we're talking about yeah, the Juwan Jennings touchdown, and as soon as this happened, I was, I think I posted a tweet about it. I was on board with. I'm like, get Juwan Jennings Super Bowl MVP. He's thrown a touchdown. He's caught a touchdown. He was yeah. there where he needed to be. Uh, you know, he played pretty well, probably his best game all year. Um, and then we just have fucking field goal city for the rest of the fourth ties it up with three seconds to go. I was so worried in that last, I mean, what I think I'm looking at it here. Niners kicked it with a minute 53 left. I think they give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes with two timeouts. And I was sitting there watching it with my buddies. I was like, this is too much time. Yeah. Like I was, oh, yeah. I was. I was pretty sure that game was done then. Go down there, make the stop, three seconds left, kick the field goal, bring it into overtime. Um, while the Niners did only get a field goal out of that first drive, it was a 13 play, 66 yards, seven minute and 38 second drive in overtime. Um, obviously, you know, you're giving a lot of times to Mahomes there. You really needed to get a touchdown. And I think they had that like, I think it was like third and four. And couldn't convert it and and have to kick like you feel good about that but then the defense man like as great as they were playing in the first and they tried to have it carry over throughout the game i mean dude when you're facing patrick mahomes you can't give him you can't give him seven minutes you can't give him the whole field you can't give him three timeouts and just what happened is what happens with patrick mahomes this is just this is what they do this is we were talking about this and the Baltimore and Chiefs game two weeks ago, yep. and yep. he just comes out here and does it again. D'Amico Hardman runs the flat route. There's nobody out there, and they get the touchdown, and and then that sucks. And then that's it. That's that's our Super Bowl champion. And man, you gotta feel for the 49ers. You really do. Um, I mean, and I, I'd say you definitely gotta feel for for Brock too. There was so much on Brock's shoulders this week. Everybody's talking about, you know, the field manager, this game manager, that blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he goes out there 23 of 38, 255 and a touchdown. I mean, didn't do like a lot, but did enough that, you know, he should, he should get the dessert. He should just, he should get the respect that he deserves is what I'm trying to say. Well, um, you know, going into uh, the third quarter, both, him and Holmes actually had the same amount of passing yards. Yeah, one, two, three. Yep. Um, but yet, Spagnola just drew up blitzes at the right time. He did. He did. And they did a good job of... I mean, and I really think that might honestly be it. I mean, you look at when San Francisco was moving the ball through the air... I mean, when you gave Brock enough time in that pocket, he was he was moving incredibly around that pocket. There were some plays where like the pocket was collapsing and he just with his movement moved the whole pocket to the left. I mean, it was a pass in like the second where it is blowing up the pocket there. He moves a little to the left. Eyes still downfield. He's not worried about anything. He threw an absolute dot and then got hit like a second later. Those are the plays that like you want to see your quarterback make under pressure. And uh, so, I mean, he played well, man, and God, you wanted him to, I, I wanted him to win this. Obviously you had the chiefs and I, I think deep down I had, I knew this was going to happen too. Uh, but I just didn't want to believe it. Cause I wanted to, I wanted the Pats to be the last back-to-back Super Bowl champ that we have, but you know, 20 years of holding that record, not too bad. Now we won't see this again for another 30 or something. Yeah. You know, back-to-back winner. Um, and then, and then you get them on the podium, man. And the first thing they're talking about, oh, now we can go for three. I'm like, guys, lay it off. Okay. Come on. We're not even, not even done yet. Like you guys aren't even off the fucking field. This, it was just, this game sucked, man. I mean, it was a good game. That's the thing. It doesn't even suck. Like it was a really, really good football game after the first, which was kind of a snooze fest and a little bit through the second. I mean, it was a really good game. And, uh, I mean, it was a really good Super Bowl. Really, uh, everything I mean, all around. Really defensive game. I mean, who would have 
thought that both defenses were going to step up. Armstead had a great, great game himself. A couple sacks and all and pressures. But uh, but it was also, I mean, the whole telecast. I mean, Tony Romo. My oh, my God. God. I have never heard somebody just... <laughs> never mind. But he he is almost unlistenable when Patrick Mahomes when he's doing a game that Patrick Mahomes is there and like I knew it was going to be a thing we almost threw it in our drinking game that every time that Tony Romo sucks off Patrick Mahomes you take a drink but yeah. I think we all would have been dead by the end of that because he just couldn't get him out of his mouth dude it was, and this is every game um my God, and then you get in the fourth oh Mahomes man this guy let me tell you Jim and it's just it's every fucking play man it's Oh, but it was, I, I sound it was, like I don't like football right now. I mean, but but CBS is totally in love with the Chiefs. I mean, oh, of course. And 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 plus, you know, Kelsey. There was that. I recall that one. Um, I think it was second quarter where uh, Tony goes, "Oh, yep, Kelsey finally makes a catch," and goes, "Oh no, that was no one." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He called it out. He goes, I, I remember exactly which one yeah. you're talking about. And it was so clearly not Travis Kelsey, too. Yeah. But Tony was, was just hoping for the moment. Yeah. He goes, oh, that's Kelsey. And he gets up. And I think Jim was like, that's number 83, Tony. And he was like, yeah. oh, well, that's actually no great. I'm like, yeah. come on, man. And he goes, oh, they look they look alike. They run the same routes. Yeah, Noah Gray's like five inches shorter than Travis yeah. Kelsey, but they look alike. Yeah. Yeah. Same number there, Tony. Oh. Um, well, and then, and then on top of it, which I knew when I saw that little graphic that they had about passing the baton, how Tom Brady was, oh my God, don't even get me started on that. I, when I saw that, I said, oh, Hanson is just going to throw something at the TV right now. I almost did. I almost did. I I was, I was like, come on guys. But everybody around my Super Bowl party was just like, dude, no, like, what is this graphic? We're not passing any baton right now. And and now the conversation, the worst part about it, you know, I tweeted out right after the game. I was like, damn it, guys. Now we have to hear about Mahomes versus Brady comparisons for all of the offseason. All yeah. of it. I'm sure I'm going to turn on first things first, like right after this. And Nick Wright's just going to be talking all, all day about it. Colin Coward, they're going to be talking about it all day and then all week. And then Stephen Smith, A. Smith's going to bring it on. And it's just... It's going to feel like a snowball, man. It's going to well, be I, so... I feel annoying. more bad for Joe Montana. Yeah. I mean, he's I tied mean, Joe Montana now. Now Joe's just going to drop way down the bucket list for some... Which um, is crazy, because, like, I, and I know, he's a, I know he's a good quarterback, man, but, I mean, you saw, like, Mo- Montana, like... Yeah. It's one of the, that's also one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Are we just... Just because he has three, now we're just placing him above there? Like... That that's it for Joe, is yeah. that how it goes now? It uh, it's crazy. championships, yeah. You win your championship, but uh, yeah, but on top of it, I mean, you mentioned already, he just has that winning mentality. I mean, he willed a couple of those. I mean, that long run he had, the the fourth and one, he was just like, nope, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hand it off to Pacheco. He's either going to not make it or he's going to fumble it. So he had the opportunity either to pass it off to Travis or just run, get that first down. The other run play that they had after that into overtime. I mean, he just wills. He does. He just, he just finds a way to win, man. And it's, and you hate him because he's great. And that's the worst part about it. And I, I told my buddy who's a, who is a, um, a Steelers fan, and he was watching the game with us last night. And I was like, man, this has got to suck for you because, like, now I understand why people hated us for so long. I'm sitting yeah. there, and I was like, I hate these guys. Like, if I was, if I was a Patriots hater and from 2000 to 2020, I would have been like, dude, this sucks. Like, I hate this team, hate seeing them win. I get it now. Still doesn't make it cool, but I get it now. Like, <laughs> and, and he was like, yeah, dude, how do you think I feel? Like, I can't get out of the fucking AFC. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, but I mean, uh, there's not, I, I mean, I could go on about this for hours and I'm just going to continue to run around in circles here about 
I wish just San Francisco came to play the whole game. I mean, they they really they looked great the first half, and I don't know. I don't know if it's Kyle Shanahan and the Niners at halftime, or if it's more so Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes making adjustments at halftime. But it's just it sucks. Uh, I really wish they could have pulled it out, but it was still a good game. I mean, enough I mean, about the game part, though. There's some there's some fun stuff we can talk about. From fun, too, yeah, though. let's talk about fun stuff. But I'd go to the latter. I think Andy Reid again third all-time now great coach i think his adjustments kyle shanahan yes i mean we can say this is the third collapse he's had but and does he not make the adjustments but he had incredible team i mean great weapons all over although they didn't involve kittle at all at all yeah i think he got his first catch with like five minutes six minutes to go in the fourth i still just don't understand why and I mean, he still had 22 carries. I know some of those came in overtime, and you don't want to wear them too much into the ground. But at the same time, it's a Super Bowl, man. You gotta, you can't play conservative in these games. You gotta go out and want it and get it. And I mean, mm. McCaffrey should have been ran a whole lot more on those last like two drives that they had. They should have, you know, if you give McCaffrey three, four more carries in that fourth down in between your two possessions. Instead of giving the Chiefs a minute and fifty three left at the end of the game, you're giving them minute, a minute. And, yeah, yeah, minute ten maybe. And while yes, Mahomes is still scary in that situation, you're then forcing them to have to use their timeouts to get down to the field. I mean, they were running hurry up offense for the first forty five seconds of that drive. They got down to like their forty and made a play, and then finally called their first timeout. Called the second one, I think, with. Um, well, they call or the first time out was like 29 seconds or something after they had just walked down the field and then they used the last one to get in for field goal range there. Um, and you just, I don't know. I don't know if they were just tired. I don't know. I'm sure the Dre Greenlaw injury, which a shout out to him there, but that, that sucks. Did you, you saw that in like yeah. the second drive? The dude's just excited to get out there. He's warming up. He's jumping around, and then, boom! And you saw it, and like, I think it was Tony. They're just like, "Oh, well, I hope he's okay." No, you saw that, and you know those are like Achilles injuries. You could see the snap. You could see him just fall, and like, damn man, like to play at an All Pro level like he did all year to get into the biggest game, the one that matters, and just get too excited to run onto the field and have that happen. That sucks, and. You lose that guy, and yes, they've got some good defensive depth, but you you lose a leader like that on defense and, and have to try to make up for it against the team that's going to attack that the most and is, is smart about that. And you got Kelsey going across the middle and you're down the linebacker. I mean, the Chiefs are going to capitalize on that situation. Um, But like I said, we can talk about some of the fun stuff because I know yeah. – uh, I don't fun know, stuff. did you – did you bet on any of the fun stuff after we uh, we talked about it yesterday? I, I did hit on the Reba McIntyre. The over? Yep. Nice. I was I was also on that. That was a little worrisome because she had that first brave that ended at like a minute and or not yeah, a minute and twenty nine seconds. And then she hit that second brave that brought it into like a minute and thirty four seconds. I was like, thank you, Reba. She definitely knew the line. She wanted it to be spicy. She wanted to get over. And I did a little um, I did a little Google search while we're doing it, and it said she's never come close to 60 seconds Yeah, any other time. And, and I mean, the last one she did, I think, was uh, like a live event in 2018 or something, and she, I think it was the longest she had ever done, and it was 80 seconds on the dot. And I wish I knew that before picking, but may, actually I'm happy I didn't because I probably would have went the under. The under. I had a yeah. feeling about the over and it, and it squeaked out. So that was some fun stuff. I saw some people getting happy about that bet early on. Um, you got, what else? Gatorade color was purple. I told was you that. Purple. I called you, you. I said I got some insider info and I should have bet it too. Was purple. Um, Usher, first song, My Way. That one was, uh, they were talking about that all day. I think somebody leaked that or leaked the set list. 
Um, but that one was gaining a lot of traction. I think it was like a minus 150 favorite before the halftime show started. Did you watch any of that? Did you mom watch the? You know what? We did watch it, and I'm not, I'm not a Drake or Usher guy. Like, I only recognized a couple songs during it but but um mom and i yeah we actually said i really enjoyed that performance yeah i think it was i mean we were super happy about it here and watching it from my play i think it was one of the better super bowl performances we've had in a while recently yeah like i i mean the weekends was pretty good but i think ushers was better than the weekend and then you've got um well, I mean, it week- might be the best one since like Bruno Mars, man. Yeah, yeah, because the weekend had, and what I really enjoyed was not the, I mean, he just he was on the field, dancing, singing, stage setup wasn't crazy. I mean, the weekend had all that weird crap and out in the yeah, he was going through like, yeah the tunnels and yeah. All that. I mean, that was that was weird. That was fucked up. Yeah. But it was, yeah, he uh, he kicked ass there. I was, I was grooving. I know, I, I I might know a lot more Usher than I thought I did because I was out there freaking grooving the whole. I mean, the thing goes and it and it puts the little outro. This is the end of the Apple Music halftime show, and I was like, damn it, no, keep going, man. I want an encore. Fucking, this was better than the first half was. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, that was I, pretty cool. I I enjoyed it. I I was surprised. I I was. Yeah. Um. All right. So as we're talking about picks, let's recap. I mean, we didn't make any changes to our picks on last week's episode, but these are the ones from two weeks ago after championship uh, Sunday. So you had the Chiefs. You get that. You had Chiefs money line and spread. I had Niners money line spread. Uh, I know. I thought you said earlier the over under was forty seven and a half. Apparently it was forty six and a half. So the over just hits by one point. Look at the Chiefs ruining more things. Yeah. Um, so the over hits. So we were both wrong in that. We had the under. I mean, we looked really sharp on that. Oh, yeah. Like, really sharp for, I mean, all of the game until the touchdown puts it over. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Even if they did, they did a field goal, 22-22. You take another field goal. Yeah, that's still 25-22. Yeah. So we were screwed anyways as soon as they got into as soon as, yeah, they got into overtime and they got that field goal for the Niners. Um, but, you know, I, I think we had, we had good sides on that. I think I bet too emotionally there too. I also, I actually did take 49ers money line. I had, uh, I had a parlay running for the game. Uh, Niners money line, I had over 42 and a half, which I was worrying about for most of the game. Um, I had Isaiah Pacheco anytime touchdown, which he did not end up getting in. And I had Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown. I was so, I was so sure about that, man. I was like, this is such a good parlay. And, you know, you get more, you get deeper and deeper into the game and you're like, well, this over's not going to hit and the Niners aren't going to win. It's one of the, it's one of the other. And we got into overtime and, uh, Sav was there with me and she's like, oh, well, I need a Kelsey touchdown to parlay. And I was like, I've thrown my parlay out the window at this point. I don't care. I just want the Niners to win this game. And, and that didn't even happen. But now I hit, um, I, I hit my bets and this is how, I mean, how degenerate I am today. So this morning after I hit it, uh, I looked on Fliff and I'm running a 12 leg parlay with some soccer i think i got some hockey uh celtics got some basketball and yeah so for with soccer i both have the epl and i have some turkish super league but this is how really bad i am i'm doing atp tennis buddy i know buddy i know it's It's really bad it's like betting on fucking ping pong. They yeah. have like, they have like overseas ping pong at like three thirty a.m. That like real degenerates bet on. Or once you get into the summer, KBO Korean basketball yeah. or Korean baseball organization. And that, and it wasn't just me looking at the favorites. I actually googled like 
this tournament to You're look reading at. into tennis bet oh my god yeah. yeah but if it hits it's eight over eight hundred dollars today nice guys you see what happens when football's gone football's yeah, gone for all of five hours and he's fucking betting atp tennis i mean god guys it's six more months of this yeah um it'll, it'll stop our new podcast will be talking about tennis no i'm good on that um all right well before we wrap up here with the super bowl um i mean there's so much stuff we could go on and on about this but i think it is good to move on to our next segment um what about this you ready i'm ready all right way too early give me your 2025 super bowl matchup oh wow way too early huh way too early and and well yeah this episode six so we can always go back and listen and see how what what i said but i'm going to go are you ready yep i'm gonna go kansas city and green bay okay i had a feeling you'd do that um go back to super bowl number one yeah i'm gonna go man i'm gonna put buffalo in there from the afc i think they'll get above the hump um I'm trying to think about the NFC and like I almost want to say the Niners again, man, but I don't like this is this is the best Niners team that we've seen. Like they were built for a Super Bowl this year. And I don't know who they're losing cap wise and stuff like that. Um so I'm gonna go ahead and say Fuck the Packers is a good one. No, let's go um Let's go with the Detroit Lions. Fuck it. I, I was I, I was gonna I was gonna think about Detroit as well. I'll but in the NFC North, I think. I mean, I think they could be set up to do it. I don't think they need to do anything quarterback wise. I think it's just a couple off season additions defensively, maybe a more reliable wide receiver three you bring in there. I don't know. Could be cool. Um. All right. Well, so you got Chiefs Packers. Who you got winning it then? I don't even need to ask that question um yeah. yeah so you're really you let us talk about all this that chiefs hate all of that yeah. all the all now they can go for three pete just to say that yeah just you to actually get... a new england sports fan i am a new england sports fan i think i think we found the fraud on this podcast all right well moving on then from super bowl stuff to more football stuff for I mean, what may be the last bit for a while until we get to draft and combine things or offseason. Um, we've got a couple different Patriots staff hirings that happened this week. Uh, a good bunch of them rolled out. I mean, even some this morning. Uh, there were some later on last week, Thursday, Friday. I think there were even some earlier on in the week. Uh, Dad, do you have those pulled up? You want to go through some of these? Well, yeah, so we talked about the DeMarcus Covington uh, being promoted. So he's now our defensive coordinator, grabbed a defensive line coach, Jerry Montgomery, um, previous player, outside linebacker, Drew Wilkins. He's coming in. Um, we're going to keep our uh, secondary coaches. Mike Pellegrino was re or stays on the, on the team or on the staff. And Brian Belichick will also stay as a safeties coach. So the secondary stays the same, which, I mean, have had a, a decent secondary. I mean, injuries affected us, but um, I think I always had a, a decent secondary, so that'll be cool. I think the most exciting, well, and also this morning, yes, Tyquan Underwood, uh, another former Patriot player, um, so Gerard is bringing back all those old guys he played with. He's going to be the wide receiver coach, but the most assistant. exciting or assistant, I'm sorry, but the most exciting news. And we said this on episode one, 
Dante Hightower, inside linebackers coach. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, we mentioned it as like, what did we say as linebacker coach? I I think that was the, that was the spot we said made the most sense. We said, you know, if we were being fun, that could be DC. That would never have been the case, but do you, you like this hire? I love this hire. I love this hire. Jawan Bentley is going to have a year. Oh my God. Yeah. He's just going to be Dante Hightower 2.0. Yeah. Just there. And he's already not a bad run stopping linebacker as is. And I feel like Dante is going to be able to tap into that a little more. Absolutely. Where I didn't necessarily think of Dante was a pass defending linebacker too much, mm-hmm. dropping into coverage. Um, but if, if you're going to bring in a linebacker's coach to instill that run, heavy, you know, help there at the linebacker position. There's really not a better team to do it than than the Patriots that use those weird hybrid safeties, hybrid linebackers, these weird formations that you have other guys dropping off into coverage, disguising some uh, defensive schemes there so that you can get, you know, your linebackers downhill and being able to support the run pretty well. So I, I think it'll be I think it'll be really good for our defense and and help us against the run, which I mean, <clears throat> we've talked about a couple times on this podcast throughout the year that we, we were getting killed on the ground in the run game all year too. We were getting torn up. So this should definitely help that, yeah. Oh yeah. I think we're we're running it back to the early Patriot days in which it was defense rushing um and this staff is super young, too. Super young. Super young. <clears throat> and you hope it all works It works out. Now, I'm not expecting, you know, a Super Bowl run or even a playoff win. But if you get above 500, if you miss the playoffs at 9-8 and eight or something, but you keep this young coaching core and, and what's going to hopefully be a younger team, you know, it's a great stepping stone for what could – happened then in 2025, you know, later down the line. Um, Which is a great segue into our next segment, unless you have anything else you want to mention about this real quick. No, I think this is a great segue into what what comes up next. All right. Well, then I'll I'll hand you the reins here because this is – this is your stuff. Uh, let let the listeners know what you're what you're bringing up here and uh, how we're going to go about this. Well, I mean, lately, um, all the reports, all media, everyone mentioning, do we end up going? Because again, I think it all depends on movement. Does Atlanta move up? Does does the Raiders move up in the draft? You know, Caleb Williams, Drake May, even. Daniels, although we could probably get him at three, but do we really see him as that quarterback we want? Or is that, are we at that coveted spot that people trade up into to grab one of the top, these three quarterbacks? If we do that, obviously there's a lot of talk now about, and I know Gerard on his press conference when he was talking to um, Burton, Steve Burton, he was mentioning we have to draft um, you know, a, a skilled position or a very important position. Um, and obviously everyone's thinking that's quarterback. And it, it is because you have to have your quarterback get the ball out. But, you know, do we trade down? Do we hopefully get Marvin Harrison Jr., get a, a great wide receiver, great target? And do you end up going after one of the three free agent quarterbacks Kirk Cousins, manageable game leader, Baker Mayfield, or bring back, roll it back again, bring back Jacoby uh, Brissett. These, and if we, these are the guys? These are the three guys that they're talking about um, free agent-wise. So if you do that, then obviously, I guess we're looking at... um a 2025 quarterback because obviously we're going to trade Mac Jones. Everyone's talking about Mac Jones getting traded. So if that's the case, if we're looking at a bridge quarterback, which we mentioned a couple episodes ago, 
do we go and and have a free agent have jacoby manage the game come back be that bridge guy this year you'll still probably have bailey zappy on the on the roster um and then do you look at 2025 for a quarterback Okay, so do you have your 2025 guys there? And we'll, I have, we'll I, yeah, I have a list of the way too early quarterbacks. All right, here's the rankings. So come 2025, do you like Shador Sanders? Hmm. <laughs> hmm? I mean, yes and no. I think he's going to get overdrafted is the only thing. And so I don't want to, I don't want to have to use our pick that high up on him, I guess. I don't know. It's also got to, I guess we're going to have to see with Shadur, you know? Um, yeah. So look at this. We've already said we're going to go nine and eight, miss the playoffs, go above 500. We are picking, I don't know, 12 to. Yeah. 12 14 in that range do you take them there because obviously the real cool thing is i think everybody you know washington will have their quarterback of the future um chicago obviously that leaves justin fields but does he go to atlanta i saw some reports go there does sam howell go to atlanta so if that's the case, those guys aren't going to probably draft another quarterback. Um, Denver, I've seen, is looking at J.J. McCarthy. You know, um, Bo Nix, what I think we saw some New Orleans Saints. So all these teams that would need a quarterback like us are probably going to be grabbing somebody. So he's well, not going to go. He's not going to go high. Yeah, but you think about it too. It, we're thinking about teams that need a quarterback this year. And it seems like no matter how many young guys you think go to the right position or go to the right teams and are set up in the right position, it still seems like every year it, it's kind of like the head coaching carousel. You still have four to six teams every year that are looking to replace, upgrade a quarterback. I mean, I know you mentioned like Bo Nix and – New Orleans or something like that. But I could even see New Orleans not going for a guy this year. And then you worry about they're a top team next year that wants to get one and have a succession plan for Derek Carr. I mean, there's teams like uh, the, the Steelers. Jets will need some. Jets will the need Jets, somebody. Yeah. Jets definitely will. You got the Steelers, who I know they had mentioned. I, I saw something during the Super Bowl yesterday or a little before that they're pursuing Ryan Tannehill as a free agent quarterback this year with Kenny Pickett already on the roster young to give him some, you know, a little quarterback competition. You don't think they're probably drafting one this year, but if it goes south with Pickett again, or if it goes south with Tannehill, which I imagine it will, I, I don't know why you're going after him in that offense, then you're going to need a quarterback next year. So it, it's all these little teams that, you know, we still got 17, at least 17 more games to see between now and 2025 draft for a lot of these teams that are going to be also needing a quarterback down the line. Uh, but I mean, I, specifically when it comes to Shadur, he's a great like athlete and stuff. It's flashy. It's, it's big, but I, I want to see, I want to see this year. Uh, I want to see how, you know, and maybe it's good that Colorado kind of fizzled out towards the end of the year. So, I mean, there's not so much pressure and hype on them to start the season this year. You know, they can go out there and just ball. We can see Shadur just go out there and just play how he wants um, and see if, you know, another year under his dad there in Colorado and bringing in a good recruiting class and getting Travis Hunter fully healthy again can really propel him to the next level. Um, but I, I don't mind it, but it would have to depend on draft selection. Who, uh, right. who's, who's our next one then? Next one is the kid from Penn State, Drew Ayler. Drew Aller. Aller. Yeah. <laughs> I like Drew Aller. Um, he's a, he's a weird one though. It's like, I talk a lot of shit on JJ McCarthy because of 
you know, the offense around him and stuff that the, the role that he had to play in that offense for the last couple of years, um, specifically this year, bringing him to the national championship. I don't, I don't like JJ McCarthy as an NFL prospect. Um, and I think as much as I like Drew Aller, I think it's going to be the same thing for him. He's got the intangibles a little bit and he could, he could be that guy, but I, I feel like, you know, coming from that Penn State system, it's it's going to be a weird transition to the NFL, and I I feel like too many people are going to highly want to highly draft Aller and they're going to highly tout him in all. Where I really think he's one of those guys that could come in and, and needs to be a project quarterback, maybe a guy like something like putting him in New York. I think would make uh, in the Jets system under Rodgers in a offense that it's going to have weapons on the outside, but if you need to for a young rookie quarterback or a young, you know, first year quarterback, second year that comes in after Rodgers is gone, you have a run game that you can rely on with Brees Hall a little bit. I think that would make sense. Um I I don't know. I I I don't feel like I feel comfortable enough in our weapons or what our weapons could be a year and a half from now to be okay with Drew Allard, but if it happens to fall that way, I'm not hating it, but I'm not loving it, I guess. All right. How about I'm going to skip. I'm going to go another flashy name right now. Carson Beck. Man, Carson Beck's weird. Um, I don't even fully know. Like, I watched him play this year, but I don't. I don't know about him. Um, I feel like. You know, he's definitely. When I think of Carson Beck here, all right, I, I'm I'm trying to compare it to the Mac Jones 2020. It, it mm-hmm. gives me a lot of similarities. You're getting uh, not necessarily carried by a great team because, you know, Mac Jones was a great part of why that Alabama offense was good. And Carson Beck, same thing for Georgia uh, in distributing the ball there a lot to his weapons. But, you know, you got a great defense there in Georgia. You got just a great team, you know, um, the back-to-back champions there. Uh, before Michigan, so uh, uh, Carson Beck could be could be good, but I think a lot is going to be telling based on how he does come combine time next year, and you know if he does any of the. I mean, it won't be Senior Bowl because I don't think he's a senior, but any of those things pre pre draft to really see playing against you know other competition and not playing with his his stack lineup all the time, uh, how it how it can translate. But I don't think I'd mind it. I think he could be sneaky athletic. Um, it's just weird. I, I I don't know. He's just weird to me. So like I I probably just have a bad thought about Carson Beck. But he could he I could be something. Think, yeah, I think you're thinking he's a JT Daniels. No, JT or, Daniels. JT Daniels <laughs> or Stenson Bennett. You oh know, yeah, just that just what they just throw out but uh, yeah i think the kid at six four can at least throw and, and make better and and some nfl type throws so all right two more two more quinn yours a winner i love quinn yeah i love quinn i is he no he did say he's coming back right yeah already okay because yep. i was going to say like it would have been interesting to see where he would go in this year's draft i like quinn um, I hope Texas doesn't try to get too cute next year, uh, and like you know, split his time with Arch Manning. Yeah. Um, but I love Quinn. I think this year with them moving into the SEC for the first time, I think it's going to be big. And and seeing you know, and and they there was some competition in the Big Twelve. I'll give them that. And um, you know, they they definitely did what they were supposed to do, but it'll be interesting to see, bring them into the sec and better defenses, better defenses, better all around teams Yeah, and, and see how Texas can translate it. See if, if we see the Texas team that we've known for the last five years that can come up short, or if we get a year of the Texas team that just made it to the college football playoff. All right. And the last, let's go back to the sec, Jalen Milrow. Oh, Jalen, 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 Jalen. Um, 
You know, I, I kind of want to say like, yes, because I think he could, he's going to be a great mobile quarterback. Um, but I, I don't think as, as good as I think he could be in the league, I don't think our system's going to be right for it. Um, yeah. Now it could, it could all change. We got to see how Alex Van Pelt and Gerard Mayo make this offense for the next year. Um, but I, I think, you know, if you're, if you're taking on Milrow, you're trying to transition your offense kind of into that Baltimore Ravens playbook and focusing right. a lot on, you know, the triple option, the quarterback runs that, you know, just establishing the run game and you, you establish the pass game just to open up the linebackers every now and then. So I don't think it could fit just because I don't think that's the offensive style we're going to go with. But if we get to, you know, halfway through the year next year and we realize this is the sort of offense that Mayo does want to run for his team, then Milrow could, by the time our, you know, big boards and stuff open up for the draft for 2025, he could be number one quarterback target on our list that would make the most sense for us. But at the same time, we don't want to get burned by another Alabama quarterback here. <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to go back to Alabama? I don't know. But, all right, are those all the guys you had there? That's, yep, those are the guys. I mean, there was a few other guys, but, you know, do you want to say Riley, Leonard, Daniel Jones 2.0? Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, I like I like Riley because Duke, but, like, I don't. He's going to be, like, a third-round pick, and I, I think he's just going to come in and be, if he's ever going to get a starting chance, it's going to be a couple years down the line. And I'm talking, like, three or four. Um, I don't think he's coming in and he's going to be a succession plan for any team or, or something that they're like, oh, guys, don't worry. I know we had a bad year, but I'm bringing in the quarterback savior, Riley Leonard. This will, like, come on. I don't, I don't think that's happening. Yeah. But he is uh, going to be starting for Notre Dame this year. He is. And, yeah. and so he could impress us a lot more. Um, yeah. But it, uh, we'll, we'll see with Riley Leonard, I guess. I think, I think it's going to be just a Sam Hartman situation again, where I do think Sam probably gets picked up this year in the draft. It's going to be late, but he's going to come in. I mean, you look at some of these Notre Dame quarterbacks, and don't get me wrong, uh, Sam Hartman and Riley Leonard coming out of Notre Dame are both going to be better prospects than Ian Book was when he came out of Notre Dame a couple of years ago. But you look at him and – I mean, it was a good Notre Dame team, and he gets drafted to the Saints, I think, and I don't, I mean, we saw him in, like, one preseason game, and I don't think he's touched the ball since. I think it's just one of those things that uh, you, you got to be, like, an insane talent coming from Notre Dame. Otherwise, I mean, with the prestige of that program and some of the guys that they bring in, um, and, and just the, the team that Marcus Freeman runs now, um, yeah. you really got to impress to get a good shot coming out of the league being or coming out of college being a Notre Dame quarterback. I think, I think the last, well, obviously, I mean, they've had Tony Rice was great, you know, in college and, and help lead them to a national championship or at least get into that game. Um, but I think obviously the last great Notre Dame quarterback was Joe Montana. True. 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 Um, all right. Well, that'll, uh, that'll wrap us up from this segment here. Uh, we've got one more before we end this off. This might be a little bit of a shorter one. Um, but we do have the news and get this. I know this is a new England sports podcast or primarily based. It is episode six. And this is the first time we were talking about the Boston Red Sox. Mark it down. Reason. Yeah. yeah. Mark, this is a historical moment. Um, Netflix came out and said that they will be following around the 2024 Red Sox team to create two like docu series next year coming out in 2025. One for the 2004 team that broke the 86 the, year 86 year streak there, yep. um, and then one following around this team. Um, so. How do you feel about this first? Because I've got my thoughts, but I want to I want to hear how you how you feel about this. First, I mentioned it, you know, 
to mom and her first words came out. Why this team? Why this year? Um, and I said, maybe because you get to see, you know, what a 20 year free fall. I mean, they at least won a couple other world series after 2004, but yet where this team has plummeted to a couple of record, I mean, last place finishes uh, three in year, three in, in a row. Is that correct? I mean, oh God, you don't, don't see three. Is it really? You don't see. Yeah, I think it is. You don't. You don't see the Red Sox, and and I don't see what they're doing this year to make. Even though Theo Epstein is back as a senior advisor and part owner, um, yeah, I just don't see what they're doing, what their plans are to make this a a contending wild card team. I think it's it's going to be another third or fourth place finish for them. I mean that's a tough division they're in. It's it's the best division in baseball. Um, I, three out of the last four years, by the way. Twenty twenty three finished okay. seventy eight eighty four. Twenty twenty two also finished seventy eight and eighty four. Twenty twenty one ninety two and seventy, and then twenty twenty the COVID year twenty four and thirty six. So it's three of the past four we've been last. Um, I mean, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. like you're talking about, like, I, I think it's going to be really weird because even, and I mean, we've got a month and a half until opening day and moves can still be made. And, and I still feel like, you know, you get the moves throughout the offseason and there's, there's always surprise baseball teams that come up every year in the MLB. You know, so you're like, oh, our team's going to be ass. And then they start off hot and, you know, I'm not ruling that out. They could have found the perfect mix in the clubhouse, in the lineup, and this team could be good. Um, but what it comes down to is I don't, uh, and this has been a problem even in 2018 when we won the World Series, I think. We have just been lacking in starting pitching and relief pitching depth for years now. And it's worrisome that it has still not been addressed. You know, I, I think it was something, now granted, you know, Kimes out, and, and we've went through a couple changes since then. Um, but I think, like, the the previous guys, they're seeing it as, oh, you know, we won we won the title in 2018. You know, maybe we can just go along with this team. And then you make, you know, the, the fucking moves of, like, moving Mookie. And then, you know, you had to move this offseason of, oh, well, who did we trade Mookie for? Verdugo? Nice. Let's give him to our biggest rival in the New York Yankees. Just making these fucking boneheaded moves that it's like yeah. – I feel like we're just going around in circles and we're not gaining anything. I think that we're just, honestly, with it being the best division in baseball, outside of us, I mean, if we're good, this division's scary. Very yeah. scary. Even without this, you got the Yankees, who, while they had a down year last year, they're going to rebound. They're going to be good. They got the Juan Soto edition. You got Toronto, who made a bunch of smart free agent additions. They might not have made any big splashes, but that was already a good team with really good depth. Pretty good defensively, too, and you're adding in these little guys. Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. I, I still don't understand how they're good every year, but they continue to just win games with homegrown talent that none of us are anticipating coming up, um, you know, minus Wander Franco. And then you've got the Baltimore Orioles, who are fucking good at baseball now. I, that yep. came out of nowhere and they're well, really good. And then they go and get Corbin Burns this week. And it's like, you're going to have to play 19 games a year against guys within your division. Multiply that by four playing 76 of the 102, 162 games are against these teams. And honestly, like I'm looking at it and you look at this team, man, and we might be lucky to go 30 and 46. <laughs> yeah. 30 and 46 in division 25 oh, yeah. and that, that's not wait 30 and 46 at yeah, 25 and 51 in division yeah. and if you're doing that with your in division games i mean we've still got a hell of a lot of hard teams to play out of division and like uh, the nl team so i think it's it, it's going to be cool because i like the docuseries and, and watching stuff like that but i think for us we're going to watch the 2004 one. It's going to be like, oh, this is awesome. I remember this. This was, this was great. This was the start of something awesome. And then 
you go to the complete opposite side of the spectrum, and then you're going to watch the 2024 docuseries, and it's just going to be depression. But I think it's still going to be a cool look into it, right? Right, right. Well, I think uh, you, you mentioned two things there. One, the fact that um, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, and even Toronto built their team with home uh, homegrown talent. And I think by bringing Theo Epstein back, he's going to hope to be doing the same thing. Uh, homegrown talent, work the farm system, try and build that back up. Um, but that's going to take years to do. So be, yeah, the 2024 docu-series will be interesting to see how maybe that, that plays out some of the moves and, and Alex Cora and does he, how does he bring this team together? Um, obviously, yeah, 2004, the cool thing will be watching that, that, uh, final world series win against St. Louis. And, and again, I recall that started, I think you mentioned it, that started your, your love of championship New England sports. And, uh, I mean, again, I remember this clear as day going upstairs, waking you up at, and then bringing you down to watch that final, that final out Keith folks throw over to first base at, and I'm, I'm almost certain it was 1138 PM. Yeah. It'll be exciting to see. Cause I mean, you know, I, I saw this being so young. So, and I mean, I've seen, you know, the little documentary things that have popped up in the years about, you know, previous, um, Red Sox teams. And then, I mean, specifically the one I can think of right now, it's the one, what is it? The three days in October or whatever, the 30 for 30, the ESPN did about the three Oh comeback for the Red Sox yeah. over the Yankees, the ALCS there. That one's awesome. And so if it's going to be anything like that, um, uh, it'll be, it'll be very fun to watch. Uh, and hopefully it sucks. That's we're going to have to wait a year for it. I would have loved for this to come out in 2024, but I mean, it makes sense. You have to follow around the team for a year, so it can't, but I guess, you know, once it's all said and done, once we're done grieving the end of the Red Sox season, uh, inevitably in, I mean, the season ends around September, but we'll be able to call the season by like July. At least we have, you know, something to look forward to six months later or so after after it's done. Yeah. So we'll be watching each episode and then doing a recap of what our thoughts are on that episode. Yeah. No, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. Cool. I really hope it lines up perfectly with I mean, we do it weekly, so we'll make it work, but we'll uh we'll keep y'all updated more and more once we get closer to that or if we hear a date come out or you know any anything that could be helpful um but we're looking forward to it definitely um all right well before we get out of here you got any any last things to say dad um any any last thoughts about the super bowl the pats hirings you know our 2025 guys red sox series anything you might not have cleared up early no, I mean, I, I think that uh, if we recap really quickly, Hanson's uh, a little uh, upset, a little, little heated over which, I mean, it, it was a great game. It was a good game, defensive game. wasn't high scoring, but, uh, you know, uh, a decent football game, good Super Bowl. It'd be neat to see what ratings were and all. Oh, maybe we should do that. Do a little, uh, do a little Super Bowl ranking. What we feel were the top ten best games ever. Yeah, it's a great uh, point, but we should have brought that up, you know, in an episode before the Super Bowl. Because I don't know if you remember the Super Bowl, the big yeah. football game. It happened last yeah. night. So oh, now well, that was... means that the NFL season is over. There's no more football. Oh, well, I was watching the WM. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and getting ready to bet on tennis, but um yeah. So that was that was good. I mean, great young hire, excited staff. We mentioned staff is gonna grow for the Patriots. Um and yeah, it'll be exciting to relive your 
2004 Boston Red Sox champions and uh yeah all the emotions obviously of 86 years and you were just a, a little baby at the time but again be able to bring that back and and watch that that'll be cool yeah definitely um all right so let me just recap here uh red sox 2024 guys don't you have camera all year don't disappoint us i mean if there's any season that you're gonna just go out there and be good let it be this one so we can see it all on camera <laughs> uh 2025 draft guys let's hope we don't have to get there let's hope that we're taking a quarterback in a couple months good hires by the pats congrats to the fucking kansas city chiefs i guess i'm not happy about it and uh, whatever i, I don't want to continue on it more um yeah thank god that kelsey and taylor swift didn't get freaking engaged right engaged there at the end. Oh, oh my god if i, I would have saw that on the podium i would have absolutely blown up when when I saw him up there. Jim Nance goes over to talk to him. I'm like, yes. I yeah, mean, right. He, I mean, he had a obviously a good game. He he turned it on in the second half, nine for ninety three, but it, it it wasn't splashy. It wasn't a touchdown. It wasn't any of that. Although he almost had that touchdown uh, to win the game at the end, but Fred Warner had a you know had a beat on that great. Great defensive play by Fred Warner. But um yeah, I mean, I thought I thought that maybe he was gonna do it. Yeah, maybe, but it didn't happen. World gets saved of that for at least I don't know, maybe another six months. Maybe it should have happened, because now we're gonna have Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey coverage all of next year too, as they try to get the three peat. Yeah. We'll worry about that once we start talking about football again in six months on this podcast. A well-needed break. We can start talking about some other sports. Uh, but that'll be it. Thank you guys for listening to episode six of A New Era podcast. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms um, at A New Era podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Name is just A New Era podcast on Facebook. Uh, if you have any questions comments concerns that you would like us to bring up on the show you can send an email to at a new or a new era podcast at gmail.com uh, and we'll be sure to get to those in due time once we get to like a question and answer episode but uh with that being said we are we are all done here i uh, hope you guys have a great week uh hope you hope the chiefs win doesn't hurt you as bad as it hurts me uh, let's kick ass this week, and we will catch you guys next Monday for episode seven. Love you, son. Love you, Dan. <laughs>